You know, when I was younger, we used to answer our phones without knowing who was on the other end, right? It's only the, the newest versions of our phone over the last several years where you can look at the phone and then ignore who's calling because you don't want to talk to them. I totally get that, um, you know, all of us use that feature. But something really funny happened with my wife and I as we would call each other. You know, um, in the old days, you know, I'd call her and she'd answer the phone with, hello? Because she didn't know who was calling. And then it was a surprise. She'd hear my voice and say, hi. And it was always a little special thing. But when she knew I was calling, I'd call her and she'd still answer with that like question mark in her voice, like, hello? <laughs> and I let it kind of go, but after a few months, I kind of said, babe, you know, I'm calling. When I call, you see who it is. You don't have to, you don't have to act like you don't know who it is. Like, hello? <laughs> and, uh, and she was kind of embarrassed about it. She's like, I do? I didn't even know I did that. And so now she answers with, hey, babe, or something really fun or spicy like that. But, but my point is here in telling this story that I feel like in this series that we're in, that we think about the Holy Spirit as a counselor or a helper or a friend, but then we're not always sure that he's calling us. Like we still have this question mark in our voice. Is that, is that the Holy Spirit? Is that his voice? And I think it's so important for us to tackle this really significant idea today about the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Of course, we're in this series called Numa, and that's a Greek word uh, for the word spirit, and it means breath or wind. And we get this from a conversation that Jesus had with a religious leader named Nicodemus. In John 3, 6 through 8, he says, humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Jesus is saying there's a mystery here, how God interacts with a human and how his spirit comes into someone. And he explains to this religious leader how we must be born again. That means born spiritually. Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit is the very breath and wind of God that moves in and through our lives. And yes, sometimes it is mysterious and that's okay. He is like the most mysterious of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But we see his activity all the way through the Bible, all the way back to Genesis, in Genesis 2.1, at creation, it says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now, the breath of life here means the spirit of life. So many people read this passage and they think, oh, God just did CPR on Adam and put air in his lungs and, and then he, he, he became alive. No, this is God making a living soul. And so he breathed his spirit into him and he came alive. By the way, this is the same spirit that Romans says entered into Jesus in the grave after he died on the cross. And it's the spirit, the power that raised him to life again. But you have to understand why I know this is because if you read this story in Genesis, 
You'll see a few verses later that Adam and Eve, they eat of the forbidden fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they, they died just like God said they would. But interestingly enough, they were still breathing. You see, they died spiritually. They suddenly became ashamed at their nakedness. They, they began to victimize each other and blame each other. Their, their, one of their sons killed one of their other sons. Humanity begins to spiral out of control over the next five or six chapters of Genesis. And you see this reality of people walking around the planet. Looks like they're alive, but they're dead on the inside. And this is what we see today, people seeking whatever they can find to make themselves feel alive on the inside. Whether that's seeking adventure, whether that's uh, drugs or alcohol or sex or any, any number of things, their career, the, the, whatever they can find to just feel alive on the inside because they're dead on the inside because they don't have God's spirit living within them. And so here's the, here's the reality. Humans were never they were never intended to live without the Holy Spirit. It's original design. God designed you and I to be the temple, the physical body of the Holy Spirit and how he lives in us. And Jesus emphasizes in John 16, 12, that one of the chief roles of the Holy Spirit is to speak to us. Look at this in John 16, 12. It says, I still have many things to say to you. Jesus is talking to the disciples. He says, but you cannot bear them now. I love that he says this. He's like, if he would have told the disciples the whole story of what was coming, they could not have imagined it. They couldn't have bared it. There was incredible joys ahead and incredible challenges. It would just been too much for them. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, Jesus says, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. This is one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit wants to talk to you. He wants to give you instruction and guidance and counsel. He wants to help you with the challenges that you face in life. He, he wants to lead you into things that are really wonderful for you. He wants to coach you when there are difficult things. John 8, 47, whoever belongs to God hears what God says. In other words, when you're one of God's kids, you'll hear his voice. If you belong to your heavenly father, then of course he's going to talk to you. He wants to, he wants to encourage you. He wants to lift you up, but he also wants to protect you. And you have to realize that, that our God is not a God who ignores us or punishes you for what you've done. In fact, he wants to help make it better with the things that have gone wrong in our lives. He never wants to give you the silent treatment. Now, it's true that God may be silent from time to time, but the God of the Bible is not petulant or moody. He's, he's not abusive or sadistic. He's a loving father who loves his kids. He loves you and me as much as he loves Jesus, his son. And he sent you the gift of the Holy Spirit to speak to you about his will. The Holy Spirit wants to talk to you, but you have to be able to discern his voice. 
Look at this in Romans 8, 14, verse through 16. It says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. That means a personal, really intimate relationship with Father, Papa, or Daddy. Verse 16 says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Listen, it's your birthright as a child of God to be led by the Spirit of God. It isn't something that is reserved for a few extraordinary people or elite spiritual disciples who walk with God in a more deep way than you do. No, a chief characteristic of God's kids is that we are led by the Holy Spirit. And it's your it's this, it's this thing that's been given to you. And God wants to direct you and he wants to lead you. And so if you're not being led by the Holy Spirit, then there's something wrong because that's how he designed it. And I believe that the greatest reason why people don't allow the Holy Spirit to lead them, the reason they're not being led by the Spirit is they simply do not understand the practical ways in which God leads us as his people. Yes, in the scriptures, God gave people dreams or visions. I, I believe that still happens today. Yes, God can speak you through an angel, right, as he did in the scriptures. God can speak to you by writing something on a wall, which he did in the Old Testament. God can speak to you in an audible voice. All that is possible. There are many ways in which God speaks to us or reveals himself to us. There's some common ways that I believe we've got to key in on here in this message, I just want to mention a few of them before we get to our primary point, because one of the primary th- ways God speaks to us is the scriptures. The scriptures. That's why we meditate on them. That's why we memorize them. We, we understand how God interacts with humanity by looking at the stories, by reading the stories. It, it helps us get familiar with his voice. A second thing is the Holy Spirit. That's what we're going to talk about today, being filled and following this, these gentle promptings. But third, people don't think about this a lot, but your spouse is a way to hear the voice of God. Some of you are like, oh, no, did he just say that? No, listen, if marriage is truly oneness or a spiritual oneness, which God intended for it to be, then there's got to be this open-hearted connectedness and a, a spiritual dynamic to hearing God, God's voice in your life. And many times that'll come through your spouse. Number four is our trusted friends, like people, a community of people that you can trust that'll speak into your life, confidants and allies, partners to help shape your faith. And then finally, there's delegated authority. Delegated authority is, is our people that you willingly submit your life to, healthy submission to leaders who just speak into your life in a really strong and healthy way. This, I, I think, ref, I've referred to it in the past as healthy hearing, but it's a hierarchy, I think, that we need to understand. Because if you take the, the five things I just said, and you go to the, the lowest one, the lowest in the list, it's delegated authority. Listen, that's the lowest level of God speaking into your voice, even though it's really powerful and can be really healthy. God doesn't want you just to listen to other people about what he said or just do what other people have told you to do. That's not what he's trying to get you to do. He wants to have a relationship with you and for you to hear his voice. The fourth thing up, up the, the next uh, in the hierarchy would be like trusted friends, 
a community of friends that you have in your life. That is a very powerful thing, but that's not the only way he wants to speak into your life. There are others that are more personal and more intimate. Your spouse would be the next one. That was, that's a really intimate conversation and connection between two people. But then there's the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. We've been talking about that this whole series. If you missed any of the series, you can go to onechapel.com and just listen to each of the podcasts. And, and, and this Holy Spirit idea, he is the friend, he is the helper, he is the comforter, he is the counselor, he's the advocate, he's the one. And then anything, if you go to the, the hierarchy, <laughs> the reason the scriptures are there is to help us understand that the Bible is the measuring stick for anything that the Holy Spirit has said to you. And if you're unsure, you can always measure it against what's in the scriptures. And so that's how this works. Now, listen, I just went through a bunch of material. I think the healthiest hearing that you can have with God's voice is when you have all five of those things operating in your life. You've got the Holy Spirit in you but you also read in the scripture every day. You've got a good relationship with your spouse. You've got trusted friends who are speaking in your life and you're, you're, you're listening and yielded to uh, delegated authority here uh, in, in your life. And there's protection in all that and there's value in all that and there's health when all five of those are working. And so I think that's how we hear God's voice best when we embrace all those. But today I want to talk to you about this phrase that was in Romans 8.16. We read it a minute ago. And it says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Okay, we hear God's voice when the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. The English meaning of the words to bear witness is to corroborate or to give evidence. Now, I want you to think about this because those are courtroom terms, and they mean to give evidence or to back something up that's already been stated. And that gives the witness credibility. There's a witness in the courtroom. We are to be witnesses to what God has done in our lives and in the past. And so since God's called us to be witnesses, we got to get in touch with this idea of his witness, the, the bearing of witness inside of our lives. Think about it this way. When I say, I'm a child of God, The Holy Spirit bears witness that that's true in my life. I feel like he's saying, yep, that is so true. Ross, you are his kid. You are his son. You say it after me. I am a child of God. Yes. Like, there's a, that bears witness with you. Now, if you've been a Christian for a long time, you've probably gotten used to this inward witness of the Holy Spirit. You don't, you don't, uh, like, go through this process when you say, I'm a child of God. It's not like you have this overwhelming feeling come on you, but from time to time, the Holy Spirit is working to remind you in a, in a moment of condemnation or failure, and he comes to you in those moments and maybe has an overwhelming sense of his love and grace for you, reminding you that you're his child. That, that may happen, but if you were to say, on the other hand, I am a child of Satan, go ahead, try to say it. No, I'm just kidding. Don't say it. <laughs> but if you were to say it, there would be this, there's this, oh, that just, uh, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't sit right. There's like this dissonance. It doesn't harmonize with what you know of God or what you know about the scriptures or what you know about your own heart. 
See, that's the inward witness of the Holy Spirit is the difference there. Because you hear the Holy Spirit go, nope, 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 that's not true. That's not true. And so here in this verse, the Apostle Paul is describing how the Holy Spirit gives us an internal, inside, inward witness about what he's doing. And there's a few things that you and I need to explore about this inward witness. Uh, The first is the inward witness is a response. A response, which means that the Holy Spirit is giving us a response to something that we're doing or talking about or planning or believing. And so this is not something that can be done initially by yourself. There has to be a plan, an idea, an action, or a direction that the Holy Spirit is the witness for or against. So it's a response. The Holy Spirit is responding to your life. He's responding to my life. And we, what we've been talking about in this series is cultivating a relationship with him. And so hearing him and his witness is a response. The inward witness is not a feeling. The inward witness of the Holy Spirit is much deeper than a feeling. Like, this is really important to understand because a lot of people are led by their feelings. Like, I got this feeling here, and I got that feeling there, and they had pizza last night, and then they interpret this as the, the leading from the Lord. Listen, the inward witness is much more than a feeling. It's greater, more spiritual, more meaningful than feelings. The inward witness is a confident knowing. A confident knowing on the inside of you from the Holy Spirit. Now look, I'll show you one example of this in the, in, in the scriptures. And I want you to go with me in Acts 16, verse 6 through 10. And they went through the region of Phrygia, Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. (laughs) Now, did you notice the number of places in that passage where the Apostle Paul and his team tried to go to preach the gospel. There were six of them. Six of them, Phrygia, Galatia, Asia, Mysia, Bithynia, and Troas. Now, I want you to think about this, all right? Because the Apostle Paul and his team weren't just sitting around, twiddling their thumbs, just kind of hanging around, trying to wait for God to drop something down from heaven as to what they were supposed to do or where they were supposed to go. They were following the general instructions. Go ahead and say that. General instructions that God had already given them. Number one, in Matthew 28, just before Jesus left the planet and went to heaven, he said in Matthew 28, 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go and therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the edge end of the age. Amen. And so the Apostle Paul and his team were following the Great Commission. They were doing what Jesus had told them to do. They were going out to different nations and preaching the gospel. Number two, even more specifically, in Acts 13, the Apostle Paul had received his commission to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. These were people, everybody else who's not Jewish. He felt like God had directed him and spoke to him specifically in Acts 13. It says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, 
in verse 2, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So the Apostle Paul and his team were following these instructions that God had already given them. They were going to Asia. God didn't want them to go to Asia. I know, isn't that crazy? Like they were trying to go somewhere and God was like, nah, I don't want you to go there. Like I think that happens to you and I. And we have to be careful. We have to listen. Why did God tell them not to go to Asia? Because God knew there was somewhere else more receptive to the gospel than Asia. He had a different plan for them. God knew that it was in northern Greece, this northern part of Greece, that is Macedonia, that was ripe for the gospel. So here with the Apostle Paul, God knew the difference between the receptivity of Asia Minor and the receptivity of Macedonia. The Holy Spirit had prompted Paul towards Macedonia in a dream. The Apostle Paul was moving forward with where they they thought they should go. But in verse 6, as it says, it says they've been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Now, when the Holy Spirit witnesses against something, we might call that a spiritual gut check, some kind of, you know, thing that that we come up against, some people have referred to it as a a check in their own spirit. Now, the Bible doesn't use that term at all. It's just a way to describe this experience. But it means I have hesitation. Like, I'm not sure that I'm supposed to do this. I I feel like I'm not supposed to do it. It's more, and it's more than a feeling, right? It's, it's, It's a strong sense that comes from God's spirit who lives in you. It's like him, him giving you a red light, or even a yellow light as you're traveling down the road of life that you're on. But what I want you to notice again is it's a response. In other words, if the Apostle Paul didn't have a plan, he wouldn't have had this check in his own spirit. If he wasn't moving forward, he wouldn't have encountered the red light. But because he said, we're going to follow what Jesus told us to do, and we're going to do this, because Paul started moving down that path, then he was redirected. He was redirected. See, one of the things I want you to understand from the Apostle Paul's experience is that you don't always know exactly what you're supposed to do. (laughs) I don't either. In fact, sometimes you need to experiment a little bit to find the will of God. You need to start walking forward. We tune into God's voice by moving with him, toward him, in the most general way, like the Great Commission. Everywhere we go, we share the gospel then we might find a more specific direction as we begin to obey him, like moving to Austin, um, either because you are getting a job there or because you just want to live in such a cool city or you want to be where there's more traffic. Um, and then, But then you have to decide where you're going to work and where you're going to live. And you should pray about all that as you're looking, as God's directing you. And then it gets really specific. You find a house, you find an apartment, And you're directed by the scriptures to be a great neighbor. To be a great neighbor to those around you. Say Mike and Jan who live next door. Or the Holy Spirit might speak to you and say, hey, hold back from being too strong with Mike and Jan. Just pray for them for a while. But they aren't ready. They aren't ready yet. But Jim and Susan who live on the other side of the street 
they're ready. They're spiritually open. And I want you to be directed to be friends with them and to begin to speak with them about the love of Jesus that he shared with you. You see, this is how we listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. But all of this takes time. It takes focus. It takes energy. It takes listening. It takes prayer. And it requires moving forward. When I was planting the church, I remember we were all locked in on a place to meet. Several years ago, and we were, it was really our first meeting place. And it was going to be St. Ed's University. St. Edward's right there on Congress. It was such a great property, so beautiful. And there was a little chapel there, and we were going to use the downstairs portion for kids' ministry and all that kind of thing. It was so great. They had plenty of parking. It was like, this is it, St. Ed's. This is going to be it. And um, we went, and we, we made the deal with them. We got it, got it on track, and um, we were about to sign the papers with them, and they came back to us and said, you know what? We met with our board. We're, we're not ready for this kind of commitment. We were like, oh, this seemed like the Holy Spirit. This seems so perfect. It seems so right. When I'd come to, the, to Austin, I had told the Lord, I'll meet anywhere. I'll get anywhere, any building, just not a movie theater. I just don't want to be in a movie theater. <laughs> Turns out we got a little farther down the road and there was no other option except the movie theater right here at Barton Creek Square Mall in the AMC theaters right near the Austin campus now. It was God's design and desire for us, and he was steering us. And the Holy Spirit was working in our lives and moving us. But man, it took time. It took energy. It, it was, there was some struggle in it. There was a, a, a need to pray and, and ask God what he was doing. Listen, God will lead us in different ways. Sometimes God will tell you right up front what you're supposed to do what job you're supposed to take, who you're supposed to hire. But sometimes God leads by the inward witness, which is a response to your step. My dad used to say to me, son, it's really hard to steer a parked car. I know, profound sayings from the Parsley clan. You can't steer a parked car, but if you're moving, it steers so much more easily. And I think that's the way it is with God and us. Sometimes we sit too still. Sometimes we don't move with what God's already told us. We suffer from paralysis of analysis. Now listen to me, some of you go too fast. You meet a pretty girl and you think that's the one you're supposed to marry. Slow it down, people. Slow it down and let the inward witness of God and what he's doing in your life move but don't go so fast. That's also true. But listen to me, this is really the point of the message. It's, it's more difficult to hear God's voice if we're not already moving with what he's already said. What he's said in our lives, what he's told us in general in the scriptures, we gotta be moving with him in obedience. And that's why if you... Like, for instance, develop a relationship with someone and you've got wedding bells in your head and you think, oh, I can just, I'm going to marry this person and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something that isn't right. Like, I'm going to have sex with this person. Like, this is a problem. 
because that's not in line with what the scriptures teach about the power of marriage and how it is the place for intimacy. And so I just, I I think this is so important to understand that God's voice, God's voice gets clearer when we're moving with him in obedience. The guy wants to, wants God to bless him with great wealth, right? But he hasn't developed a good work ethic or he hasn't ever been a good saver of money. He's never tithed to his local church. Like, like this guy's going to have a really hard time hearing Holy Spirit ideas about making money or which job God wants him to take, right? He may be able to get rich, but he'll do it kind of on his own. Start by doing what you know to do. Do what you know to do, and God's voice will get more specific in your life. This is the way the Holy Spirit works. Some people have a great vision to be in ministry, but they won't plug in and be part of the local church in the most common and simple ways. You want to have great ministry to people? Look around and find some place to start connecting and serving. Teach a kid's class. Start a small group. Join a team. Do something to demonstrate your faithfulness. And suddenly, I promise it will happen. God will begin to show you. The Holy Spirit will begin to direct you and speak to you and show you. In fact, what I think will happen is you'll discover there's a whole group of people that you might not even realize were there. Listen, everybody, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. He wants to give you instruction and guidance and counsel. He wants to lead you into things that are absolutely wonderful for your life. So the only question is, are you listening to him? You and I got to be sensitive, attentive, careful to listen, never grieving the Holy Spirit. Just as it says in Ephesians 4.30, don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Listen, I want you to pray with me today, and I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. I want to lead you in a prayer of repentance, maybe for just doing your own thing. I want you to join me right now, just right where you are. Let's pray this together. Father, thank you for Jesus who came and showed us how much you love us. Thank you that you sent the Holy Spirit, that Jesus himself sent your spirit to live within us. Holy Spirit, we just speak to you now and say thank you for your kindness and gentleness, for your conviction, for the way you lead and guide. You're always kind. You're always gentle. And I just pray that you would, in every person, in all of us today, we just ask that you'd speak to us in a way that tells us where we are, shows us where we are. We repent, forgive us for going off in our own direction, leaving you out of it. We invite you back into our lives. Lord, we ask you to show us how to be led by your spirit. Show us how to live with your spirit leading us and speaking gently into our lives. We thank you for this in Jesus' name, amen. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer with me for the first time, maybe the first time in a long time, there's a little connection card link in the comment section. Just click on that. We'd love to walk with you in this journey of faith. We don't think anybody can do it alone. And if that's you, 
We wanna walk with you. Just let us know. And then um, remember, we'll be back next week in person at every campus, July 10th. We'll be together again. And so let's finish our time today by saying our blessing together. Come on, say it loud and strong to each other and to the world we're entering into. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in peace.